Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You can feel the power of this fight. You can feel the magnitude. And we don't even have a bout agreement yet. We don't even have an announcement yet. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, there's all sorts of storylines happening in combat sports right now, guys. We have a massive rivalry unfolding between Duplices and Adesanya. Plus, Volkanovski is dismissing Mr. Hand Sanitizer. And John Jones is talking about retirement once again. I'm going to get to all of that and more on today's show. But it's only fitting to begin the program with the story of the week and one of the biggest stories of 2023. Hate. Hate, 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 hate. I'm a hater. You guys ever watched Dave Chappelle? Remember that he used to do a piece on this? Hate, 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 hate. It's like he did like this player haters award and it was just this whole segment of the show if you were a fan. I thought it was a joke until today and now I realize that I am one. So you know, maybe Chappelle was onto something all those years ago because... We got Fury and and we got Engano. And I'm not happy about it. Why not? Well, that's a that's very weird. 
Like that, that that's a character flaw within me somewhere. I, I, I don't want that to be in me, but it, it's true. I'm not happy about it for a number of reasons. And the only thing I should be over here saying is good job, Francis. Congratulations, right? That's what I should be saying. That's the, that's the honorable thing to say. But it's just a weird position for a number of reasons that I fully admit I don't think anyone's going to care about. I, I think it's just me. Think from a PR perspective, the right thing to do if you're a chael is to say, congratulations, good luck with your fight, and move on with my day. But it's difficult for me because there are codes of honor. And there's a way that business must be done for our sport, which I know people say that it's mainstream and that the sport made it. And it, But there's a part of me that stuck back at the beginning, right? Back where I came from, where it was only legal in two states. We had Las Vegas, we had the city of Las, uh, state of Nevada, the state of New Jersey. Mark Ratner, Larry Hazard, two massive leaders in boxing, and they both embraced MMA. And then you got 48 other states that you're battling for. And at one point, we get 49 of them done, but we can't get New York, right? I mean, it was, it's, it's a thing, but, but it was fragile. And if certain codes of honor weren't followed, the sport wouldn't have made it. And one of the big things is exclusivity within a brand. If you fight for the UFC, you only fight for the UFC until that contract is done, and then you have a different conversation. But the sport's not where it is today. Had that not been followed and honored and enforced, and there was all sorts of ways around it, regardless of what you have been told. There's ways around it right now, regardless of what you have been told. And we're seeing the boxers do it. And we're not seeing anybody else. We're not seeing any sport anywhere doing it. And it's not because they have an honor. It's because they haven't opened their eyes and seen what's happening. And let me give you a perspective. You think, what would be a great match? What's a match that you guys have wanted to see? You think that the Bellator champion, right, Vadim, 205 pounds, cannot fight the UFC champion, Corey Hill. Yes, they could. They could go do it today. And you'll have Scott Coker and you'll have Dana White come out and say, Chael is wrong. No, I'm not. They could go and do it today. Well, we will sue them. You won't win. They could fight each other today. They couldn't do it in Bellator. And they couldn't do it in the UFC. They could go do it somewhere else. And they could call it an exhibition. And th this is a workaround like the world has never seen. Sports Center has never covered this topic. 
right? The leader in all of sports, sports that has never covered this topic because they don't know what's happening. It's happened right in front of them. It's been hidden in plain sight and nobody understands that it's happening. So what boxing did is they, they took guys that were exclusive. Exclusive to what? You, you could fill in the blanks, right? The way the contracts work, they, they have guys that are exclusive that is intended very clearly that when you compete, you do it over here. And you only do it over here for X amount of time. And in exchange, I'm going to have to shell out some duck. Because this is what we're going to do. And this is how we do it. But you could go anytime you wanted and go and do something else. I mean... So maybe I'm not wording this well, right? I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to bring this down. Let me let me give you a great example. You can only box here, and that's crystal clear. That's in the contract. You ever try to fight that? I will get an injunction so fast from any judge, and you know it, which is why you're never going to mess with this, and no other promoter is going to try to sign you. That would be interference in of a contractual agreement. I will get any judge in any court to bring a gavel down on you very, very fast. Well, okay, time out. What, what do you mean I can't box? I mean, I, I, I box every day. Every day I box. I, I do it in the gym. We, we call it sparring. But, it, but every single day I box. So I can't box. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, well, you can do that. That doesn't count. Well, why? If that doesn't, you said I can't box anywhere else, but I box every day in my gym. So now we've established that I can box other places. That's what we've done here. How far does that pendulum swing? What if I want to bring in a camera crew to the gym? Yeah, hell, that's normal. Yeah, we do that all the time. We put on countdown shows and 24-7 and embeddeds, and that's perfectly normal within our industry. Okay, okay, but let's say I leave the gym. I got the same guy. I'm going to do the exact same thing, but I'm not going to do it in the gym. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that'd be okay, I guess. Okay, but... And now I'm also going to film it, which we've already established. I can do. You already said I can box this guy and I can film it. Can I now do it out of the gym? Yeah, okay, you can do it out of the gym. Can I do it in an arena? Can I have people pay to come in and watch while I spar, while I just work out with this guy at a specific time for a predetermined amount of rounds? And you start to see where this, you start to see where this exclusivity is only as good as the people agreeing to it allow to make it. And that doesn't end in any sport. There is no sport that, that this couldn't be done in. The, the NCAA championship team could play the Super Bowl champions. No, they couldn't. The NCAA can't put that in. Their rules are very clear. The NFL can't put that on. Their rules are very clear. Okay, great. I don't disagree on that. You could go and do it over here. Another guy could come and do it, and we could call it a scrimmage. We could, Apparently, if we just call it a different word, it's allowed to be done. And it's, it's a very fascinating topic. It, it's an amazing concept that Floyd Mayweather single-handedly showed to the world. Right, there was this massive thing, Live Live Golf and the PGA. You guys might remember that. I think I think there was like a merger or something. I think that's done. I don't follow golf very close, but this was this was a phenomenon and this was out there. And this was being discussed, and it was also very real threats from the PGA. If you go over and do this, you are well <laughs> right. It's it's one of these things. We're we're getting proven to us that you can go do those things. 
You just need to apparently play a game with the semantics. Call it an exhibition. It's the same thing. You tell me I can't box anywhere else, but I'm going to tell you I box every single day in the gym, and you're going to make a concession, and you're going to go, well, yes, of course you can. Well, if of course I can do that. We've now established that I can box other places. So then you just start testing that of where and how far. And when you get to the point that you can't do this, okay, but why? If you're the decision maker, at least in your own mind, and you're telling me I can't do it, you have to send me what's known as a cease and assist. This is the policy. In the cease and assist, you have to tell me what I need to cease and assist. So once you do, and now we have established it, I will then just change it. It's very, very effective. I grew up through marijuana being illegal, marijuana being imprisonable, and I watched them take that very product and they renamed it hemp. And I mean, it was overnight. It was overnight. That was much less. That was not looked at or looked down on or it was a, it was different. It was something different. And then they got into the CBD and they got, I mean, it was a fascinating thing. And it was the power changing words. I grew up through something called the death tax. And the death tax was a hard one to get over. So they took the exact same principles, but they called it an estate tax sailed right through. And I'm just bringing it to you, because that's what we're seeing here. right? We, we, we've got Francis and we've got Tyson. ESPN reported, I got to say this because I didn't think that this was accurate, but ESPN says that Tyson is the WBO champion. And in my mind, I, I watched him retire, which would then relinquish all belts, and I didn't think he ever competed again. I must be wrong. My memory must be off. The night that Tyson retired in front of 93,000 people where he brought Francis into the ring, he must have competed since then, and it must have been for the WBO belt. I don't bring that to you for any other reason than the WBO belt that is being reported that is currently Tyson's is not on the line. There is no form of combat where when you compete, whatever title you got isn't on the line. That was done in the NWA right back in the day. Ric Flair used to get pinned by Dusty Rhodes, but Rick would keep the belt because it was a non-title match. I mean, we, that's not the way it's actually done. So we have two guys that are going to go and do something. But, but it's a game of semantics. They're playing a game of semantics to get around laws that were intended for very good reason, that our sport does not exist with. If those aren't honored, so when you get a guy like me who works for ESPN, what do I do when I go on, guys? When they throw to me and they say, Chael, tell us about Francis versus Fury's fight coming up. Well, fight, like it or not, has a legal definition and they are not meeting it. So I'm not going to call it a fight when I'm on ESPN. So if they change the word, Chael, I don't know what you're doing here, what game you're playing. These guys are going to box. Just talk about it. Well, no, there again, that is a legal defined definition and they are not meeting it. So if they're not fighting and they're not boxing, when I go on ESPN, how should I explain this? What should I tell them they're doing? 
There was a gentleman who told Errol Helwani today, when Errol asked this, is this an exhibition? Is this real? Or is this an exhibition? There's a, there's a huge difference. Would you guys agree with that? Because then we just keep on changing the word and I'll eventually get down to sparring. Will you agree with me that a sparring session is not the real thing? Can we all agree? Yes, of course we can. They're doing the same thing, but it's a different word. It has a different meaning. Do we all agree? Yeah, we do. So Ariel went to get clarity of what this is. And he was told, and I quote, it will be under standard boxing rules. They can beat the F out of each other. Nice try. No. The last part of it could be true. But the first part of it can't be. There there is a a meaning. There is a code. There is rules. There is thousand years of history. I don't know what the oldest sport in the world is. I come from wrestling. We make the claim that it's wrestling. Boxing does not make the claim. But... It might be boxing, it might not be wrestling. I don't know. Before there was courts or fields or balls or referees or uniforms or anything, somebody either grabbed somebody, which makes wrestling the oldest sport ever, or somebody punched somebody, which makes boxing the oldest sport ever. But I just bring this to you. There's a way to do it. There's a lineage. There's a history. What is it that's happening here? Floyd and Logan Paul agreed on rules and told them to us, the audience, when the match was over, they took those back. Floyd and Logan went and did, they were the first to do it. This has never been done. You have exclusivity contracts. You have have things that guys can do and things that they can't do. They broke all of these and got away with it without a lawsuit, without a cease and assist, without so much as a threat, just by changing the word. Much like a sparring session, which is different than a boxing match, even though it's the same two guys literally doing the exact same thing. So they changed it and they made an exhibition. This is a fascinating topic. I hope that you're understanding this. But they had told the world if it went the distance that Paul wins. It went the distance. And neither one of them say Paul wins. In fact, Paul just recently talked about it and said that he won and then laughed hysterically to let everybody know he was kidding. So it's it's one of these things. What are we doing? How would I discuss this? Now, there's, a, there's another side, which is Francis played a very risky game and he did it alone. He did not have a massive team and it wasn't massively powerful and he wasn't throwing money around a big office behind him. He did it alone and he succeeded. Th- th- there is a side of great job, Francis. There is that side. With big risk comes big reward, and you always tip your hat to the winner. He won. But I don't have a piece that I can entertain you guys with. I could do it on Instagram, where it's commonly 18-second pieces. I could do it on Twitter, where the algorithm says 11 seconds is the best time. I could do it there, where I say he won, and congratulations, and you know, way, way to go, and you show patience, and Maybe other guys with courage will fall in your footsteps. I don't know how to make that any longer. I don't, I don't know what to do. What are they doing? What is this that they're doing? And then they, they listed who was promoting this. It was a joke. It was a laughable joke. There's a company called Gimmick. That, it turns out that's Francis's company. That's funny. 
there was somebody, now Top Rank was in there somewhere. Somehow Top Rank got their little greedy hands in there. But right, it's, it's, you guys, I don't know what it is they're doing. This cannot be covered by a real sports network. It can't be done because this is not a real sport. And the floodgates are so widely opened right now. They are so incredibly open. The PGA just put out an argument with threats and punishments for anybody that went to live. And those would have held. Nobody would have even sued the PGA. They would just assume they had the authority and the power. But we're now finding out that these players can, in fact, play each other. They just another guy has to put it on, and they have to call it something else. I get 18 holes. I can get the cart. Get my little putter out, get the competition, put the balls down. I just have to call it something else. I think that's very exciting, quite frankly. I would be very curious to see the NCAA team play an NFL team. That's interesting to me. I think some of our best athletes aren't getting paid and recognized. I think they're getting ready to shine in a year at the Olympic Games. I would like to see them be able to go both ways. Now it sounds like they can. We have to call it something else, but we can still see this person versus this person. We can still witness it. We can still watch that game. We can still make comparisons of the skills. We can still see these matches regardless of who signed where. You could hurt somebody. Would you do it? If you could hurt somebody, like I, I, I hear all the time, oh, he's a really nice guy. I hear that all the time. I hear he's a really honest guy. I've heard he's a really loyal guy. He's a really faithful guy. I've heard these terms, and they're good terms. They're good, strong terms. But if it's be, if it's by default, I feel at least within the spirit of virtue that it changes. Right. And this guy is loyal to this company, man. He's been here since he was 18, and he's put in 30 good, honest years, and he, but there was no other company that wanted him. Just suggesting, just by example. He did do something very good. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just sharing that it feels different. It feels different, right? If you have the ability to go do something and you don't, that would be much more virtuous. So if you have the ability to hurt someone, would you? If you were the biggest guy, nobody is as big as you, would you pick on people that were around you just because you could? If you were a trained person and nobody else around you was trained, would you use those skills to hurt the people around you just because you could? It's an interesting concept that I would sure assume you would say, no, I wouldn't do that. Of course I want to do that. And I watched an interview this morning. I'll start that statement over. 
interviews of back and forth with a nether arm. This was done, it was like a selfie-style video. Tyson Fury, what looked like he had just finished working out. He's got a couple of guys in the background. And he's yelling. He's having fun. He's being charismatic. He's, he's just playing around, but he's talking to Francis. And he says, you're going to get knocked out. He says, you big stiff dozer. I don't know what a dozer means. The, the internet, in fact, had different, different ideas. It was like a slang. Internet said it meant homeless person. And he said it. And this was funny. Tyson was laughing. He was, he was funny. He was being charismatic. He was being charming. The, the guys behind him were laughing and carrying on. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, what part of this is funny? To take your size and your skills and your experience and to go beat up somebody who is weak. To go beat up somebody that has none of those things. To be a reigning world champion and to take on somebody that's never even been a contender and never ever will be a contender sounds like a really cruel thing to do unless you're a sick person. And I, re I really, is on a personal standpoint, I just couldn't imagine. I am a monster if I want to be. There is not a person that's going to stop me from doing whatever. When I go to the butcher, I don't have to pay him if I don't want to pay him. I go get coffee, I don't have to pay for that coffee, and I don't have to wait in line unless I want to pay for the coffee, and I want to wait in line. And there's not anybody or any two or three people that are going to do anything about it unless they have a weapon. That's the truth. And those things have never crossed my mind. I would never cut the line. I would always pay. I would always wait. I would always be civil. But I don't have to. It's a choice. And that's a very big difference. It's a very big difference. You have an ability or a set of skills that is larger than those around you. How are you going to treat them? And what are you going to do with that? What kind of responsibility are you going to have and show? And when I look at Tyson Fury, who is somebody that I've always admired to an extent, his skills are great, his heart is great, his comeback, the adversity he's dealt with, even the fact of what an entertainer he is, is really great. But now he's going to go pick on a guy that can't defend himself. He's going to go pick on a guy that's never done it. As the best boxer, I think, ever. And that was the distinction that I gave to Mike Tyson. I now give it to Tyson Fury. He's going to take that size, he's going to take those skills, that experience, all that training, all that stuff, and he can go beat up a guy who's never done it, who's coming off a knee injury, who's at least 37 years old and has absolutely no experience. And it's gross, quite frankly. I, I would not do it. And if I did find myself in that situation... There's things that you would have to do just to live with yourself, right? Tyson got to be able to get rid of Francis in 60 seconds, right? He just has to. But would he and should he? If you have a skill that you know this guy doesn't have, how can I better serve him? Am I being nicer to him if I come out and I hit him 3,000 3, times, but they're not very hard? I just pick him apart and I do that for a half hour. 
Or am I better, am I serving him better to come out, measure him up, and put him down with one shot, which I have the skill to do. It's going to knock him out, but he's done. I'm not going after his kidney, his liver. I'm not, I'm none of those. I'm not going to chop him down and wear him down. I'm going to put him away right now. He's going to get a big old bag of money. He said it's what he wanted. He came over to the wrong sport. If he didn't want to do this, he could have sat at home on the couch. He got in here in a combat situation, and I can live with myself for that. It was tough. It was tough watching the interview. It was tough watching Tyson Fury and his scumbag teammates behind him laughing at Francis. They were laughing about what they were going to do to this stiff bum, Dozer. And that normally would be fight promotion. If it wasn't so glaringly true, right? They're laughing that they're going to go hurt a guy. The best boxer to have ever boxed is going to box a guy who's never boxed. And he's laughing. And it felt gross. And it's not something I would do. I would not take a skill and go find somebody weaker than me. Tell the world and then laugh. Then I'm going to go knock a guy. Great job. Great job knocking him out. So on a bum knee, he's 37 at least, and he's never done this before. Congratulations, Tyson. You're a real man. John Jones saying that his fight with Stipe is going to be his last fight. And my problem with that, okay... As John's biggest detractor, is that fair? Am I his am I his biggest detractor? I don't want him to be done. He, he, he doesn't need to be done. It's not as though his body's wearing down, but he can, you know, do do one more. He can muster it up and he can power through one more way in and one more media tour and one more fight. It's just not a situation like that. Now you don't have to go out when you can no longer do this, right? Muhammad Ali talked about this. It was one of his big regrets. Muhammad Ali regrets that he continued to fight. I believe his last match was in 77. I believe it was the year that I was born, but it might have been 80 for Muhammad Ali. But he wished that he would have called it in 75. 1975 is what I'm talking about. This was just Muhammad Ali talking, but he gave this advice to other athletes. He said, you know, you're going to have that ego and you're going to have that fire and you're going to have that desire. You need to be responsible enough because it's going to come to an end. Do you want to be the one to call it or do you want to be forced into that position? So I only offer that. Like, I don't know that I'll be met with any resistance when I say, John can do more. John has more. John will continue to be champion for... Many more matches to come. I don't think that anybody will resist me. The other side of the coin is we have to acknowledge that we don't win the retirement argument just because we successfully convinced John of that. I mean, when John talked about retiring, by the way, see, here's here's my problem with it. Here's my problem with it. He didn't mean it. He never meant it. Never, never, never. This was said, Dana brought this up. And Dana brought it up as a way of serving a compliment to John. It was a massive compliment that Dana gave him. He brought it up in the regards of there would be nothing left to do. This young man will have achieved everything that there is to do. He was complimenting. 
right? So that's where this entire idea even spawned from. Now, when a guy jumps on the I'm going to retire train, there's a pie, right? There's a number of reasons that would go into why he did that, but 90 plus percent of that pie is so that people will say, don't, you're good. You have more left. I'll miss you. 90% of it is that little kid inside. Remember when you do that? All of us have done that. Maybe we did like an artwork in, in class in the third grade, and we knew it was great. We knew we had done something better than our classmates, and we'd hold it up and go, this is terrible. Oh, I did, I did such a bad job. So that your classmates would see it, and then, all, oh my God, it's the best one in the room, right? We, we all have done that to a degree. You just don't generally see that with adults, but you do sometimes. And I think there's more to the pie. I think that John also thought supply and demand. This will be a good way to market and bring attention to the fight as a way of selling pay-per-views. I don't know that he's wrong on either. I can tell you for the 90% part of getting compliments and being told, hey, don't leave. We don't want you to leave yet. I just did it. And for the 10% of buying pay-per-views, I'm not going to miss it. I, I think it makes sense. Do you guys agree with me? Here's the problem. When you start doing that just as a human being, from a psychological standpoint, when you start doing that as a human being, you start saying something over and over, you start to believe it. And over a period of time, you forget why you started saying it. You, it's called marking out for your own gimmick, where you fall for your own BS. And only a sociopath can do that. There's not a lot of times that you actually meet a sociopath. You just hear that term thrown out. A sociopath is somebody who believes their own lies. Okay, great. We're dealing with one. And I do have a fear that over a period of time, he's going to forget that this was about selling. He's going to forget that this was about getting some pats on the back. And he's going to believe that it's his last fight. And it could become his last fight. I mean, things can get weird really fast. If John were to fight Stipe and realize, hey, this isn't my last fight, but he says it, he says it because he'd been saying it and he doesn't want to look like he's going back on something and I'm a man of my word or whatever this is and a period of time goes by, they will strip him and they will book another match for the time. Now all of a sudden coming back, it's different. It looks different. It feels different. You're climbing a mountain again. It just becomes one of these situations that I feel we should avoid. And a lot of this is because I have inside information. I know that when they weren't able to get the Stipe and Jones fight done, that plan B was looked at in the form of Sergey Pavlovich, And I know that that idea was taken to John to feel him out. And I know they expected a no, but they didn't get one. They got a yes. And so it's relevant for all the people that are saying, John Jones is scared of Sergey Pavlovich. He'll never do it. He'll, John's already agreed to do it. I got to give him that. I can be his detractor if I want to. I'm, I'm going to tell the story the way that it happened. That's the way it happened. John is not ducking anybody. I'm just letting you know, he's not. John's not even crazy, in all fairness, that he's got to wait till November. I mean, just so you understand. 
There's an outside view that would appear that John is a reluctant. Some people will call it a closet. That's an old term from boxing. A closet champion. That's not, this isn't what he wanted. He was ready to turn and burn. He thought he was going to have Volk spot at International Fight Week, and he fought to have it. He, he really did. So let's give him that too, and let's just take a little bit closer look at this. And then what is the, what is the best way to go out, by the way? Like, Muhammad Ali in that statement, and he regretted that he had gone out there extra times, that he'd taken extra damage, or he suffered those losses, or that that was how people would remember. He, he regretted that. To the point that he spoke about it, even advised others not to do it. I think that's pretty powerful. And the guys that did go out the way they wanted, I'd have to put Floyd Mayweather into that category. I'd put Lennox Lewis into that category. I'd put George St. Pierre into that category. To an extent, I suppose we can't do that. George is now back, right? George is now back to competing, but they did do it differently. Oh, I'd have to put Khabib. Of course I'd have to put Khabib. And Khabib might be the best example for the point I'm trying to make right now, which is, do you guys believe it's better for a fighter to telegraph, for him to show everybody and make the statement and do a six-month press tour and talk about, I'm going to leave. Or you have the way that Khabib did it, which is absolutely nobody thought he was going to believe. As a matter of fact, we were told it was going to be 30-0. and 0. And then he grabs the stick and lets everybody know that was it. And it was a really interesting thing. I mean, I just remember the press and the attention garnered after the fight. Multiple meetings, a refusal to strip him, a refusal to remove him from the pool, a refusal to take him out of the rankings. It was just, it was just very different than if you called it ahead of time and they dim the lights and off you go. Both are great. In all fairness, both are great if you go out on top. Robbie Lawler got to do it over the weekend. But they're still different. It's still different to telegraph it as opposed to take care of business and then make the announcement. And things will be different if the athlete, in this case, John Jones, believes it. If he does mark out for his own gimmick, if he does forget that he's only saying this for compliments and pay-per-view sales, if he forgets that, it will be different. And I'm not arguing enough to sway the outcome, but it will sway the preparation. It will sway your drive and your motivation. If you have one foot in and one foot out, that has never looked to be a great recipe for the sport as far as performance, which then ultimately outcome is a byproduct of. So it's just something to consider. I'm just bringing it to your attention. But I would be very curious in your opinion of the two approaches. Telegraph it. Do it ahead of time. Or Khabib's way. Tell nobody. Make the announcement once the decision is made and the fight's over. Which is better?
Racing season is underway. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Guys, there's a $15 entry to potentially win $350,000 for the engineer. And I suggest you get in on that action. That's code CHAIL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y to number 467-369. In West Virginia, please visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, 21 and over, in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Please see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash terms. DraftKings guys, right now they got Adesanya three to one favorite over Duplicis. But hold that thought, because guess what other line they put out today? They have Tyson Fury five to one favorite over Engano. That's a surprise to me. Five to one. That's I mean that sounds like a twenty cent re- uh, return on your money. Like an obvious twenty percent return. There will be hundred thousand dollar bets coming in quickly. On Tyson Fury. I just look at those numbers. It's a little bit of a surprise to me. We can all admit that Duplessis can fight. I mean, three to one and five to one. I that's kind of close, right? Fury and 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 what's his name? This is a joke. This isn't real. You, you have one guy that's great at it, and you have one guy that's never done it. This is a joke. This is obvious. And it's not that much of a difference than Izzy versus Duplessis. How did we get there? I mean, it just strikes me as a surprise. Duplessis has at a minimum proven that he is the next best thing. That is what number one contender is supposed to mean. It's supposed to mean that you've proven you are the best of the field. And there's only one question that remains, which is can you now go up a category and take on the man? That's what it's supposed to mean. We don't always get there. We're there now. Duplessis has proven. He's the best of the rest. And he's a, still a three-to-one dog, really. What do we do if Adesanya gets through Duplessis? I mean, what do we do with the next guy? Next guy starts off as an eight-to-one dog. I mean, who would be the next best thing to Duplessis? Think about it from that perspective. Who would it be? Correct answer, Robert Whitaker. Okay, great. If Whitaker was to fight Adesanya, which he's already done twice, so we have a very good idea of how that's going to go, where would DraftKings put the odds? And they sure as hell wouldn't put it 3-1 to one or greater. No chance. If it was Whitaker versus Izzy, it would be 2-1 to one at DraftKings. Oh, by the way, that fight has happened twice. It was 2-1 to one at DraftKings. 
You know, a guy who's proven to be better, to be closer, can give a better performance. And you got, you stretch the odds the opposite direction. That is very interesting to me. I, don't, I just don't think it's going to hold. Th that's my only point here. I don't think that's going to hold. And I love to follow the line. I love where it starts as the training camp goes, as the hype builds, the fight gets closer. When that thing starts swinging, it's interesting. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just holds steady. You get a line that you think but that's crazy, that's easy money, and, and it is. A real fun one was uh, McGregor versus Floyd. I mean, that thing was all over the board. It got silly at one point. I mean, Connor was a, a 14 to 1 dog. 14 to 1, and money was still coming in on Floyd, but it closed at one point to where he was a 7 to 1. Guy went down about a million dollars on Floyd. It was an obvious match. Your return's going to get smaller, so you got to start wor working out risk, and does this even make sense? Then you got boxing, which is corrupt. They were corrupt that night. The scores that were officially turned in for Floyd versus Connor should have had people fired. Okay, they, you're right. Bob Bennett was in charge, believe me. They're, they did nothing. You got you to gotta consider that, right? All of those things go into a better's mind. But but how do we have a joke? We have a joke match. We have a, it's, it's a joke. It's just to be silly. We're being funny. Funny works. You make money. Comedies make money all the time. This is a joke. Fury versus this uh, uh, Francis. It's a joke. They're, they're, we're kidding. We're kidding around. We're, we're, this is a circus. That's five to one. DDP and Adesanya couldn't be more serious than their three to one. I mean, just how good do they think is he is? If you take Duplissis out of the situation, Duplissis has proven he's the next best thing. If you took him out of the equation and put somebody else in, anybody you want, they would then have to be, just by logic, more than three to one. Does that sound right to you? Do you think that sounds right? It's, a, it's an interesting conversation because this fight is going to so many different directions and it is going there so fast. You can feel the power of this fight. You can feel the magnitude. And we don't even have a bout agreement yet. We don't even have an announcement yet. I just think it's a, it's an interesting one. And people love to say that styles make fights. I, I don't know who, I don't know why those people say that. And I just don't, like, there's things that I don't know how expressions have existed in our sport. Well, you know, it's styles that makes fights. Huh? I don't know what that means. I, I literally don't know what that means. I guys make a big deal about why this guy's a southpaw, this guy's orthodox. I fought 51 men for five world championships. I don't have the foggiest idea why I would even care what leg my opponent was leading. Do you know that that's what it means? It's about cell parties and orthodox. You use these fancy words and you confuse people. It's what leg he, does he lead with his left leg or does he lead with his leg? Who cares? What difference does it make? Who gives a, it's one of these things. But is that the deal here? Is that why Duplicis is given no chance? Three to one is you're given no chance. Three to one is ridiculous. I mean, but that, that's a sign. That, that's showing, hey, we don't have a competition here. We do not believe we have a competition. You guys go on, do it, and this is what the sport says, and they made this, but we don't have a competition here. That's what three to one represents. It is very big. I would have a very hard time 
going through history and showing you three to one. Let me, let me give you an example. Charles Oliveira had no chance against Islam. None. Zero. Zero. It, it was one of the great mismatches in title fight history. It needed to be made. It was the right match to make. It was one of the great mismatches. It was one of the most glaringly obvious fights before it started in history. It was three to one. To put it in perspective for you, okay? Islam then, after he showed his greatness, was not going to have any trouble with a 45-pound rugby player named Volkanovsky. None. He was going to walk through him. That was commonly believed. It was commonly believed to the point that they did not want to even make the match, and then they made the match. Just, just do it. It was That was the attitude. That went off at 3-1. to one. You're telling me that DDP who just stopped, not just he beat, he just stopped the clearest number one contender in this sport, any division, the clearest, best of the rest in any division, got beaten on his feet, he got beaten on the ground, he got dominated on the ground, he got beaten on his feet, dominated on the ground, outconditioned and stopped. And the guy that did that to him has no chance. Three to one's a big spread. I, I'm, just, I'm bringing this to your attention. It's a big spread. Right alongside it, one hour after that was posted, within the hour of that being posted, Fury and Francis, which is a joke. It's a, they're, they're, they're kidding. They're kidding. It's only five to one. I just want to put this in perspective for you. Do you see it that way? Am I missing it? Is this not the knockdown drag out that I think it is? Is this, do we not have a war approaching? Do I have it wrong? Is Whitaker not as great as I believe he, what, what part of this, what part of this am I missing that these odds are currently three to one? Nickel, raise your hand. Who can beat him? Raise your hand. I think it's a very interesting concept. We have a rankings committee, or we have a computer like the BCS that, that does rankings, or we have what I believe a person that turns in rankings. And I only bring that up because the rankings were like whoever that person, I'm sure it's very good guy, right? I mean, he keeps his name quiet. It could be a friend of mine. I, I'm not looking to, to put that down. I, I, I'm speaking to it harshly, and I'm talking about the, the, the errors and the things they get wrong, because that's what it was created for. The rankings weren't put there for any reason other than to create controversy. Just so you guys know, that is precisely why they were put there, to create a talking point, to get discussion going. So, I'm doing that and I'm being critical and I'm asking how many guys think they can beat Bo and how many, however many hands go up beyond that number has to be Bo's ranking. If four guys put their hand up, then Bo has to be ranked number five. That's how this works. Of course, I'm going to take you at your word. We take everybody at their word. We have never had somebody come in just by example and say, I am a black belt. And we go, okay, well, prove it. I want to see, I want to see how you're black. But it doesn't work that way. 
We get a bunch of guys who go, I can't beat him, and I don't even make the claim I can. We don't say, well, yeah, but you got a beautiful record. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you up here. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. It's silly. And I, I asked the question because I have a frustration. I, I must tell you, as arrogantly as it may sound, when I have an opinion or a thought in this sport and it gets challenged by somebody, I don't like it. I do not like it. It stuns me when that happens. It really does, from a very arrogant standpoint. But I made a statement last week. I told all the middleweights how disappointed I was in them. Bo Nickel, who had main card placement, lost an opponent. That is an opportunity that comes along very rarely. And whoever asks for it first is going to get it. And the UFC had to go and sign Val. Val, congratulations, by the way. Great. Great experience. Look forward to seeing Val's career. Still got a beautiful record of 7-1. But I, I just bring to you, they had to go, they had to go sign a guy. They didn't have a single guy under contract willing to do the fight. Make sure you understand that. They did not go sign Val because, and then fill in the blank, they had to go outside of their roster because nobody within it would do it. That's true. And I made that statement, and I got a little bit of pushback. I even got pushback by a 185-pounder. And here we are on the backside of it. Where is that 185-pounder? The guys that argued with me and said, no, I would have done it. I wanted it. I wasn't offered the opportunity. They called the wrong guy. They should have called me. Where's that guy today? Bo is now available. Where is that guy today? Where is that call out today? Nothing's changed. Bo's still a main card guy. Bo is still a pay-per-view guy. And he doesn't have an opponent. So where are those guys today? It comes back. It just proves what I said was true. I, I will tell you, you're not going to find somebody like me. It's just the truth. There's only so many sides of this sport. Be very rare that you find a guy that was on two sides. Very rare. I've won on every side. And I, I bring that to you because when I share an opinion, I'm telling you how it should be done. I am giving you consulting advice that I have charged promoters for years. It's $10,000 for a call with me. I don't say it to be a scumbag. That sounds gross. I, I understand. That's what it costs. But I bring it to you guys each day and I tell you things. When somebody argues with me on any side of it, I've been a promoter since 2001 with over 100 events. I'm a commentator. I've been a coach. I've been an athlete to the top level. Found a way to succeed on every single site. When you have the ability to have access to my opinion and you push back, I'm going to defend it. And I told you a week ago that there wasn't an 85-pounder that was willing to do it. I had an 85-pounder contact me on social media. He said, I would have done it. I'm not afraid of Bo. I'm just hurt right now. 
<laughs> we're saying the same thing. We're literally saying the same thing. And now, for all the guys that got their little feelers hurt, thought I spoke up or I spoke out of turn, or I, I, it was too broad of a brush. And it is true, just so you understand. Three guys got called. Three guys under contract got called. But the experts that do this every day, that called those guys and heard the tone, heard the reaction, quickly realized, we're wasting our time. We've got to find a new guy. We, we don't have the guy. We've got to go find him. Give something really big, which is an opportunity. And Val was able to walk into that. He did a great job. He deserves a lot of credit. And where are you at today, tough guys? Where are you at today? Nothing has changed except there's an open opportunity. There was only one a couple of days in there, and maybe you didn't quite know how that worked, and you didn't know who to call. Like, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. You didn't have the number. I thought you and your manager could have done it. That's a real thing. But Bo's now open, and he's going back to pay-per-view. It's going to be on the main card. And none of you have called him out. None of you have asked for the fight. And it's it's an interesting situation where 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 maybe we just need to do what Val did. Maybe that's what needs to be observed. Because there are guys on the regional scene. There are guys that are that are hungry, that are sleeping on couches and don't know where their next meal is and are getting in training right there. They're guys that haven't broken into the business yet, but they want to. They will take it. Maybe that's what we should be doing. Purely looking for outside. Understand that we don't have them. We simply don't have them. But let me just come back to my initial question because I said, who can beat him? Who can beat Bo? You know, I'll tell you who's a tough SOB. And I know you guys know he's tough, but you don't quite know how good he is. He does not quite get his credit as Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier is a pain in the ass everywhere. If you were a great wrestler, he's really good, but I just, I just go take him down. No, you're not going to do that to Jared. You're not going to just go take down Jared. Well, Jared's pretty sure, yeah, I could go box with him. And no, 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 you can't just go out, punch Jared. Well, I get him deep. I'll get him tired in the fourth and fifth round. No, no, you can't just go out, condition Jared. Like there's nothing you can just do, right? That, that guy is a, he's a problem. So I'll throw Jared in there. I, I don't know that Jared would beat Bo or is it, who could, who even, who even has a legitimate chance. I'm going to put Bo in there. You want to know a really hard match uh, for Bo right now? It is Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland is just, he's, he's kind of everything that I just said about Jared. And, and maybe even a, a little, just a little nudge in the uh, uh, further direction of, of willing. Sean would do that for today. I call Sean right now and get the, right now. Sean would, would take that fight. I'm not saying he would beat him. I'm sure that he could. These are guys that could. You couldn't dismiss Izzy. We thought that wrestlers could go take down a skinny kickboxer from New Zealand. We thought that. And then an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling had 25 minutes to, to do it. Okay. It didn't get it done. And the guys that could take Izzy down in his career, they couldn't keep him down. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. We have to give him a level of respect. Okay, I'll throw Izzy into the pile. Who else? And I think there's some names. I, I don't I don't suggest for you that I just cut there's only three guys. And Chael just no, he, you know, Whitaker is amazing and Duplices is amazing. You you got these guys, but do you have ten of them? Do you realistically believe in your heart you have ten guys that can deal with Bo Nickel? Do you believe that? Because if you don't, then he has to be ranked in the top 10. He has to be. And there's no code. There's no code of conduct for that. There's no apology that comes out for having Sugar Sean ranked number 10, and then you move him to one. Well, 
There sure as hell's a concession that you had it wrong. There's no apology that comes out. You had Duplessis one week ago at number six. He is a glaringly obvious number one guy. Now, now I will also admit I did not know that, but I'm just sharing with you, obviously had it wrong. There has to be some kind of code. There has to be some kind of rules within this. And a refusal to fight is an acknowledgement of defeat. It has always been that way. So, if we're going to rank Bo, let's just start with this. Who at middleweight can beat him? Bo Nickel! Bo Nickel did an interview and was playing it cool, playing it nice and calm. He said, man, I'm in no hurry. Minnow Rush was the exact words. He said, I got eight prime years of fighting left. When I'm 35, I will still be in my prime. And that's not a mistake that someone like Bo would normally make. It was a surprise for me. Because that's a huge mistake if he means that. He better be in a hurry. He had better be in a rush. There is nobody that's going to move him up the rankings or up the ladder or up the cart or closer to a title shot except for him. Nobody. Now, you can do that very publicly. You could do it my way or you could do it very quietly behind the scenes. But either way, it has to be done by you. No one's coming out to get you, right? I mean, just think about how we got into the UFC. Think about how we got as far as he did right now. Nobody come and found him. They come find him. Hey, man, I'm with the I'm with the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and I, I got a show called the Contender Series. I think I think you'd be good for it. It's not how it worked. It was not how it worked at all. Once he came to the Contender Series, and they didn't give him a contract, and they go back to the Contender Series, and then he finally got to the, all of these things were done by him or his team, either in front of you or behind the scenes. But it was done by them. And I don't know. I don't know the Bo Menon. I mean, sometimes you're just playing it cool, right? Like, hey, I understand they're giving me new guys with no experience. I'm most lopsided, lopsided winner in the card, and it's one of these things where sometimes you got to act real comfortable in the spot that you're in. I'm just sharing for you. It didn't really feel that way. It felt like maybe he meant it, and that is not a mistake that he would make. Here, let me use a wrestling example since I'm dealing with a wrestler. But there was a guy named Daniel Dennis. And Dan Dennis made the Olympic team for the United States 2016. And he wasn't an NCAA champion, but he beat NCAA champions to get on to the Olympic team. And he beat them bad. He got on top of people. He turned them every which way but loose. Technical falls. And Dan just told a story. You know, he was planning to wrestle for many, many more years. And he told a story that Tom Brands came into the locker room and told him, you're done after this year. This came out of nowhere. What do you mean, what do you mean I'm done after this year, coach? He said, you're done. I'm not going to let you wrestle anymore. I'm not going to train you. I'm not going to let you in your room. I'm not going to let you enter tournaments. It's just this year. And what that did was it created an urgency. I don't have time. There's not time. There isn't a tomorrow. I'm not counting on feeling good and being healthy and having these opportunities. Not counting on any of those things. I'm getting it done right now. And when you say that to a, a wrestler in a situation like that, you're you're not just limiting him to a year, by the way. You're limiting him to three tournaments. So there's no room for air. And then Dan Dennis goes on and he made the team. He he achieved his goal. And there's just 
a time in life where you got to go right now. There isn't time. And that expression of, hey man, you got time. That expression goes when you're trying to blow some sunshine up a guy's ass that just got starched. And that wouldn't matter if that was your son and he was nine years old. Hey, hey, we got time. Hold on. Hey, hey, quit crying. Son, we got this. It's okay. There's a bad experience right now. Right? That, that's where this comes from. This isn't real talk. There's not really time. There's, there's never a situation in life where there's plenty of time. It's the only thing that you're running out of. You might get more money. You might get more girls. You might have more babies and more houses and more cars. You're never going to get more time. What are you talking about? There's never, ever a situation where there's more time. And Bo knows that. If Bo thinks there's time, I mean, let's just play that out. Let's just think about how literal that would be. Bo is young. He's 5-0. and oh. He's a very fast up-and-comer. I believe all five of those are by stoppage. I know that they are. That's a very impressive thing. If he can't get a title fight now, why would we give him one at 34? Who wants to give a 34-year-old a title fight? What does he mean I have until I'm 35? If your name isn't John Jones, you're not getting a title fight at 35. Nobody has ever gotten a title fight at 35 that hadn't been a former champion. Which means that they already got it done because they had an urgency and saw somewhere in their career they got to get it done. And I don't know that this will affect things. It's just when you say something, it tends to become true. And I'm watching this right now with John Jones. John Jones planned to fight another nine times. And now he's saying he's going to retire in November, which when he started saying that two weeks ago was nothing more than marketing. He's starting to believe it. That's just the way that this works. And whatever this plan is, and for whatever reason that they're they're, they're bringing in this, this, this kind of fresh meat for Bo, whatever that reason is, it doesn't change the fact that he's still doing his job. doesn't change the fact that he's still winning fights in various ways right? Submissions and knockouts. None of these things change that he's got to train, show up proper, make the weight cut, deal with the nerves in the back, walk out there in front of the audience. But there's not time. There's never time. And there's there's never in this make-believe land that you're going to get the call. That also is just an expression. It was never meant to take literal. Like, this isn't something that has changed with the times. It was never true. People in Hollywood, oh, I, was, I was out there, I was trying to get discovered. There is, there is no get discovered. It's, it's an expression. You must get a bus ticket and get yourself to Hollywood. Then you got to go into offices, you go into meetings, you go into rehearsal. There, there is nobody out. There's no talent scout out there. If anybody tells you that, they're trying to sleep with you, just so you know. It doesn't exist. But I will have people that want to get into the UFC as well and say, come and say, man, well, I don't understand. I did this and I did this and I went through Abu Dhabi and I came here and I got 5-0 and in the regional scene. And I'm over here and I'm just waiting for that phone call. That That's an expression. There is no phone call. Go out and do all those things. That sounds really great. The training, the coaches, and the Abu Dhabi and win all those matches on the regional scene. And then you have to make the call. That whole, I'll get discovered or... I can't wait till my phone rings and they go, those are expressions. You have to do it. And you can do it quietly behind the scenes and Bo has the team 
push all those right buttons, or you could do it publicly. What you can't do is think you have plenty of time and then go on a hunting trip. Volkanovsky is rejecting, is that a good word? Brushing off, he's Ilya Teporia. And you just say, hey, what are you even talking about? And what are you even talking about? Did you watch my fight? There's a quote by voice. Did you watch my fight? What are you talking, you think you can beat that? It was a very fair question by Paul Caxton. I really appreciated it because there was a lot of truth on it. Where he's going, hey, whoa. Hey, you're calling me. You think you beat me? Did you just see what I did? Right? I, th it was a, I thought it was a fair question by Volk. I, th I also thought it was very funny. But make no mistake, that's the fight. There's there's not even a make-believe land that you could return Volk to 145 pounds and not put him with Ilya. I mean, there, there, there's no scenario where that, if we're making sense, of course, of course he's got to fight Ilya Tapori. Of course he does. And there's just, there's not a lot of ways to brush somebody off as champion. If you're a champion and you brush somebody off, the psychology of the fan, they want to see it more. Whoa, we turned him down. Turned, he's scared, right? We always defer to that word. The rules of the playground carry over to the octagon. So there was one. There was one ever that I saw, and it worked, and it was Daniel Cormier. One of the top contenders for a world title for a meaningful period of time, and why you you guys decide this, why this guy isn't over, is Curtis Blades. I, I don't know what Curtis ever did, but Curtis was a top guy, and he was in a discussion, fighting for the world championship, and Cormier had the belt. And Cormier came on the desk. I was working up at, it was live at an arena with ESPN on the desk. And Daniel came up. He was our guest. And Daniel complimented him. He was very matter of fact. He said, Curtis Blades spoke, looked at the camera and spoke directly to him. And he paid him compliments. As a fellow wrestler, as a fellow fighter, you're very good. I respect you and I will enjoy your career. So I'm quoting right now. This is an exact quote. Cormier had the championship at the time. He said, Curtis Blades, you will never share the octagon with me. You now hear that term all the time, share the octagon. right? It's like when Robbie Lawler said, run it back, or Corey Anderson said there's levels to this, then everybody else has to go copy the lines. But Daniel Cormier is the one that coined the phrase, share the octagon. And he did it when he was dismissing Curtis Blades. But he finished his thought. And he said, I am fighting in big matches. When I fight, they are big matches. And there's a big promotion behind it. And you don't do your end of it. And you will never be in the ring with me. Because you could never do your end on the press tour with me. And it did not have the same effect with the fans. The psychology was not that Daniel was scared, and therefore they wanted to see it more. They understood that. The ball, of course, is now in Curtis's hands to come out and cut an excellent promo 
which is what Daniel was actually teeing him up for, and it didn't happen. It wouldn't matter if he cut a promo and it bombed. He cut no promo. He did not go to the media. He did not go to social media. He did not try to do anything interesting in the least. He further proved Daniel's point. Not only did the fight never happen, a discussion of that fight never happened. And I just bring that to you because there's not a lot of ways to blow somebody off when you got the belt. When you got a guy who's a killer, who's hungry, who looks good, who's got the skills to, you got to fight him. And I just think that's the spot that Volk is in, unless he's now a 55-pounder. And, you know, that, that that's a risk. That's a, that's a big risk. I don't, I don't know that I would advise that. That'll have to be something between Volk and his team. But if you're the best, you're the greatest, and you're, you're all these different things, and go be a 55-pounder and go win the belt up there. And it's it's one of those spots. And if, if, if that's not what the plan is, that's not what you want to do, that's not what you're committed to, or that risk is just too big, okay, great. Then let's stay a 45-pounder and let's just give Ilya the match and let's get on with it. It's a, it's a, it's a very uh, curious spot. And I don't know what Volk is going to do, but you got to understand where this is coming from. Maybe I need to lay out the timeline. Volk has been so willing and so eager to compete that he was winning world championships, going to press conferences, and the only thing he asked for is that they don't make him wait long. Volk got called on that. He got called on that, I'm a tough guy, get me back in there quickly. And it was the single worst decision of his career. He agreed on short notice to fight Max Holloway a third time, a fight that he never should have agreed to. He never should have been pushed into that. He should have found a way. He agreed to and looked awesome. And so I'm just sharing for you, like a lot of guys say, keep me busy. I'm the new Cowboy Cerrone. I'm the real deal. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. A lot of guys say that. Very few guys get put in a position where they, they can actually show, are you that guy? Are you the guy that you say you are? Volt got put in that position. He was the guy he said he was. And I only bring it to you because for the first time ever, Volk made it sound as though, hey, don't book me right away. And all Volk said was, you know, I got to get, I think it was his hand. He said, man, I got a little surgery. I got a little medical thing I got to go deal with. So give me a minute to to, to go deal with it. That's very reasonable. I, I by any means attempted to sound that it's not, but I am sharing for you. It's also very different. It's the first time ever there was a hesitation or an agreement for a quick turnaround. And I don't know where Volk is gonna go, guys. I think I I think he's very sincere. I think he wants this Islam thing. Charles has been crystal clear that he does not want the fight. I don't know why you guys why you keep pushing him into it. Like I hear you guys put Pacino. Why do you say that? Why do I? I'm quoting him. I'm quoting Charles. I'm telling you what happened. I'm telling you, I don't think he should get the fight. They should take a fight from him. I'm telling you, that he says he doesn't want the fight three times now. Three times he has turned that fight down. And that would just bring you back to Volk, I think. I don't know who else would be a number one contender at 155 pounds. You could find one. There's some tough guys there. But I haven't even heard people discussing it. 
These tough 55 pounders, I tell you about, I don't even hear them calling Islam out. We found a really tough 55 pounder. He said no three times. So it's it's a really interesting spot, right? The one time that Volk needs a little bit of time for whatever reason, but one time he needs it appears to be a time that we really need him. And if he's going to 45, turning Ilya down, it's a, it's a weird spot. Because you're having two different conversations. Telling Ilya, you can't beat me. You can't compete with me. You can't even win a round. I will destroy you. Is That's very different than I won't go and compete. Maybe you will do all of those things, but but will you go do all of those things? So it, it's just a, it's just an interesting spot. It's a very common spot that everybody in the sport is in, except Volk. Volk's never done that before. He's never not jumped immediately. He he generally even goes first, guys. I did your favor here. Do me one back. Get me a match soon, right? It's it, it's just a little bit of a different comment that Volk made. How much do you want to tie something to a guy? One comment, one sentence to me. How much do you want to make out of that? Just sharing for you that we don't have the same clarity. And I do think at 155 for Islam, who's just sat, right? You got this top, people are saying he's the top guy in the world. The top guy in the world doesn't have a job. Top guy in the world can't get a contract. Top guy in the world doesn't have a bout agreement. For five months, he's healthy, he's willing, he's able, he's licensed. Five months, no opponent? Come on. Come on. Who's it going to be? I hope it's Volk. The ultimate fighter. Guys, what's your experience with that? Do you love it? Could you go without it? Are you watching right now? Are you waiting? Are you looking forward to the next season? I will tell you, I go in the category of love it. But in 2005, when this thing came out, oh my gosh, it was a different time back then. I was as hardcore of a fan as I knew. And I had some friends that were just chopping at the bit for information as well. But you, so you spent a lot of time on dot coms, right? Don't forget, guys, the Fox deal, what was known as mainstream, didn't come out until 2012. So to go back in what many still refer to as the dark era, 2005, the UFC would put on six events a year. Pride would put on five. And you were just, couldn't wait. It wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. So when the Ultimate Fighter came out, those guys did such a good job of keeping their mouth shut. And there was even a reporter where there was hard feelings over. Josh Gross was his name. And Josh Gross found out the results. The results were turned into the Nevada State Athletic Commission, something, I'm, I'm, I'm close, something like this. And so Josh just went to them. He had the right to have it. And Josh said, look, this is... I report on news from this sport of MMA. This is news. I'm going to report this. But I'm sharing this to you because if you elected to not open that page, you wouldn't know. 
And if you didn't have a friend or somebody that came up to you and told you, you could still get through the season not knowing how those matches went. And that's what we looked forward to. By the way, it wasn't the drama. It wasn't any of the stuff that was going on in the house. It was just the match. And we would count the days down. It was on Monday. We would count the days down to get to Monday because we got to have a fight. We got to have a fight every single week till the end of that show. And I'm just wondering where you guys stand on that because a lot of things have changed. And where were we? I'm trying to think. In, in 2005, this was on Spike. I don't know if Spike TV still exists. I have not heard the word Spike TV till it just came out of my mouth now in years. And so, but now it's digital, right? It's at ESPN Plus, and you have a subscription, and you can watch that on your phone or your device, your laptop if you have a smart TV. But I'm just sharing with you that it's different. Things have changed. Things have changed. And I bring that to you because there's somebody out there that always writes an article on the numbers, you know, known as the rating. And it's so incredibly misleading. It's not wrong, by the way. The person that's writing it isn't wrong. It's just misleading. Because when you go into the digital space, you will have the program, and that's where he's getting the ratings number. But you have so much more that is so much bigger. You'd rather have the other than have the actual program. You'd rather have it broken off into clips and segments and put on TikTok, put on Instagram, put on Twitter, just by example. And I want to come back to this year's specific show. Conor McGregor went on that to serve himself in some kind of positive way. And I just want to ask you, this is a tough question, right? This is tough stuff, but I want to ask you, did he? Like, if he did, if there was something in some direction that you believe is now elevated, what is it? Tell me. And I don't know that Connor did anything wrong. I think it's a pretty special thing that you got. The biggest draw in the sport to go out there and do that. I really do. I th right now he's sitting at uh, zero wins, seven losses. And it's just an, an interesting position where I don't know that I believe that the score of the borderline fictitious team race matters. I, I don't know that I believe that. And I mean, I'll just share with you. I did the Ultimate Fighter twice. And I won it both times. But I think some of the praise that I got was false. The credit would go to the athletes that I got to work with. It would go to them and their trainers. I was only there for 30 days, right? But I'm just sharing with you that I don't know that anybody really sees that differently. So where's the miss here? What turns out to be the problem and how do you change it moving forward? And there's a number of ideas, but I only have one. And I would like to see, and this is as a participant multiple times, but as a viewer and a fan, I would be very curious in seeing two coaches that I find interesting. Like if we're making this, if they're the stars of the show, I would like to see two guys that I find interesting. I don't need them to fight. 
I don't need the idea that they're going to fight. I don't need the idea that they want to fight. I don't need them to come on there and pretend and get things going just for drama for the camera because somebody said that they're going to be matched up with each other in a fight. I just, I don't need those things. If you wanted to have a great season and you're bringing in coaches for that reason, you would bring in me and Anderson Silva, just by example. Though That's your coaches. There is no fight. There's never going to be. But you find those people interesting on television. Imagine you had right now coaching. I'm just, I'm throwing names out for fun. Imagine you had, imagine you had Connor. Fine. If you have Connor, you have Connor. Imagine against Adesanya. Just by example, you know they're not going to fight. But do you see where that could get even more interesting? I think that that part of it was very important early on. And the numbers would support that that was a really good idea. Like, I remember Rashad Evans versus Rampage Jackson. It was not a title fight, but it was a, a three-round main event completely packed in Vegas. I think they fought at the MGM Grand. And it was huge, huge business. No title. And back then, it, I can't. they did not do main events on pay-per-views that weren't for the belt. Those two through the Ultimate Fight. I just bring that. There's a number of examples I know that that worked. I know that formula and that recipe was really something. And I just think that now it's the reality show. Okay, yeah, the reality is it's a show, but so is the Super Bowl. And it's a, it's a, a documentary is what it is. And they're documenting a journey and a tournament that happens to be the toughest tournament in all of sport. You won't get around that statement. That is not just a beautiful statement, by the way, by me. It's not just a catchy statement. It's accurate. Nobody would argue it. Tell me a tournament in sport that's more difficult than that. You got to fight just to be part of it. You got to fight three times during it. The whole thing is only 30 days. That means whoever makes the finals doing four fights in 30 days, which means four weigh-ins. Oh, by the way, with none of your comforts, with none of your support system, with none of your mothers that you can even talk to, you have to live and eat with the competition. You will go into the kitchen and turn the stove on with stitches, staring at the guy that gave them to you. Just a very interesting thing. And I don't know that the coaches need to fight. And I don't think that that affects it. And it's just an observation. Moving forward, just an observation. There's mine. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. We have another UFC Apex show this weekend. So I hope you guys get a kickback and enjoy the fights with family and friends. I'm going to be back for more MMA analysis on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.